Battleborn Podcast. I'm Allison, and I'm joined today in the studio with... This is Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Hello. And our special guest today is Ashley Ayala. Hi, Ashley. How are you doing? Hello. Good. How are you? Good, good. So, a brief intro. Um, Ashley is the uh, founder and curator of Sister House Collective and co-creator of Workshop Downtown, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ashley. Yeah, so, well, it's funny because you guys are actually going to be hearing... I'm undergoing a Uh rebranding. So, Sister House Collective, I've been kind of playing with the idea of closing the store slowly Uh over the next year and really focusing on education. So, we've been a conscious lifestyle brand, Mm -hmm. and my goal with that was to give uh, specifically women products to choose from that were highly curated, handcrafted from other women around the world to support their artisan work Mm -hmm. um, and then support different social impact movements. Um, And so uh, coming with Kelly to create the workshop downtown, it was kind of a natural collaboration in terms of Kelly and I are both really passionate about social impact projects Mm -hmm. and we love getting involved in our own community. Kelly Bennett is the... uh, uh, creative director and one of the partners at Vegination. Um, and so her and I both just see business as a catalyst for really positive change mm-hmm. in the community, in the world. Um, and so we have always really jived well because that's like our whole life um, is believing in that and trying to find solutions of like how do we change the conversation among people about the ways that we impact the world through our choices. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the workshop downtown came kind of naturally. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we have been working on this workshop series for either entrepreneurs or creative types who have this business idea, but they don't really know where to get started. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the workshop focuses on uh, mindfulness because we both like to approach business from a holistic perspective, Uh, mindfulness, being clear about what your vision and your intention is with your business. Then we try to connect people with the right resources. So we have guest speakers through the workshop downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we teach about uh, branding, photography tips for your, you know, Instagram feed or product photos. If you're selling a product, Mm -hmm. Um, we talk about hosting events and uh, nonprofit, just kind of all the the little ins and outs of being a business owner and Mm -hmm. specifically in Las Vegas because we both had to navigate that and are still navigating it. Um, And so it was kind of our idea of we consult a lot one-on-one and Kelly has done it as a business for many years and I'm just sort of new to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead of consulting one-on-one with people about building their businesses, creating a community around it and having a group of 10 to 14 people coming together weekly to talk about their ideas, set goals, and then we kind of hold them accountable for that and give them the resources to complete their goals. Um, So, yeah, so that's what I've been focusing on lately and then Mm -hmm. kind of rebranding Sister House, like I said, closing maybe the shop part of it eventually, Mm -hmm. um, but really focusing on educating consumers, women, about just living more 
mindfully, living more thoughtfully, kind of purpose-driven choices that we make, Mm -hmm. and then how to support brands and companies that are doing things in an ethical way. So one of my huge passions is to teach people about social impact brands, so brands that are working with groups of women who maybe were involved in sex trafficking and are in rehabilitation and are being, you know, trained in a dignified profession and earning a reasonable income. Mm -hmm. And how do we as people support that effort? Because that's something good in the world, you know? And so things like that, supporting local artists, um, because I think artists, I myself have a background in photography. I I know like the starving artist syndrome (laughs) and I almost like don't, you know, I never really thought like, oh, I should be getting paid for my art because I'm like, well, it's art. Nobody appreciates it. Like no one will ever appreciate what it's worth, you know? And so I'm still grasping that and learning that and really trying to create um, businesses that do really value artists and pay them Mm -hmm. what they're worth so that myself Mm -hmm. as a creative can eventually be paid what I am worth as well. Sure. So that's that's a conversation I hear uh, oftentimes in the uh, arts district interacting with Mm -hmm. artists, et cetera. Like that should be something that they're taught in school, you know, to value your work and how to, how to properly price it and going about branding yourself and Mm -hmm. not selling yourself short. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because in any other profession you get out of school and you're pretty much ready, you know, to go into the force. But I think when you're an artist, you, you know, 80% of the time, probably, maybe not that much, but you're going to be a freelance artist. So you Mm -hmm. have to figure out business concepts and, and especially when you're a small business owner and you're the only person working for your Mm -hmm. business, Mm -hmm. you're not just an artist anymore. Now you're a bookkeeper, an artist, you have to learn some graphic design skills. You have to learn content creation and copy and, you know, storytelling and all of these other skills that go into being a small business owner mm-hmm. or a freelance artist. So how so. did you how did you navigate that when you started your when you launched your business here in Las Vegas? Did you reach out to any chambers of commerce or small business associations? Like how did you I did. figure that out? So I reached out to I think it was the small business association. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say for sure, but I mm-hmm. met with someone who was the complete opposite of me. So <laughs> it wasn't yeah. a good fit, but basically it was an older gentleman who was an economist and I told him, you know, I really want to sell these small batch made goods that support these women and developing communities. And then I'm also selling my own handmade things and working with local artists and selling their things. And he was like, yeah, that's never going to work. And I was like, why? (laughs) You know? And I said, well, I'm here. I didn't really ask if it was going to work. I'm just here to know like what license do I need? Mm -hmm. I want information about importing from Cambodia because I had just come back from there. So I had these like logistical questions and he was like, well, I don't think I can really help you because I really just think that's a waste of time. Like nobody's going to pay more for like artisan made whatever you want to sell when they could buy it cheaper or something similar at Walmart. And I was like, oh my God, like we're just not a good match. So that really threw me. And I was like, no, like I don't want to meet with anyone from the government, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I really just started researching stuff on my own. I have an aunt who's an accountant and I said, you know, you work for yourself. How do like legally, how do I do that? You know, Mm -hmm. what, what do I need? And she had recommended LegalZoom. And so that's actually how I got all my licensing and stuff taken care of was I went through LegalZoom and they said, you know, okay, you would be considered retail. Here's what you need. You need your state business license, your you know, city business license, you need a tax ID number, and they kind of walked me through all the legal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had actually picked up books 
from the, um, I think it was like Borders when they still were in business. Oh. <laughs> Barnes and Noble. <laughs> I know. We're crying over my, here. Yeah, yeah, my heart closure. goes out to you, Borders. <laughs> but um, it was a, it was, it's a book called Handcrafted to Sell. And still when I meet mm. artists who really, they have a hobby craft and they want to mm-hmm. take it to the business level, I always recommend this book because it breaks it down really easily. And there's lots of illustration, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which I enjoy in a book that shows like if you you know are looking to take your hobby to something you want to be paid for here's how to do it and it's really simple you know steps to do that and so one of the biggest things for me was they said make sure you're keeping track of your expenses right Mm -hmm. so any receipts you know that you spend on uh materials for what you're making or if you do wholesale orders or that you know keep all of that in one spot Right. And then anytime you are getting income, make a little spreadsheet, even if it's just you write it down on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and by hand mm-hmm. or writing what you're selling, always keep track of your income and expenses so you can see what you're actually making. Uh-huh. And so for me, yeah. I was like, oh, like that's so simple. It makes perfect sense. I wouldn't there's have there's so many thought- hidden little expenses yeah. Right, yeah. that creep up on you. Absolutely. And in the beginning too, I was like, I don't care what it costs, you know, mm-hmm. and I just poured my savings out and just spent all the money I had and was like, okay, like all my eggs are going in this basket and it better work. <laughs> so, oh which was in retrospect, maybe, you know, I, maybe I should have taken it a little slower, but yeah. I was really, you know, dead set on this idea. And, and so I just tried to inform myself as much as possible and ask mm-hmm. questions from other business owners and creatives who work for themselves. Like, how do you do this? You know? So, so, so how long have you been in business? Um, so I started in January of 2015. Okay. Yeah. So I had this idea, um, like second week of December in <laughs> Cambodia on a bus, guys, it's crazy <laughs> in the middle of the night. And I was like, cause I had been dead set on, I was in Cambodia and I was like, I'm going to work with sex trafficking survivors and teaching right. them creative skills and da da. And when I was there, I found that there were these shops in Phnom Penh, which is like, you know, the capital city and mm-hmm. a lot of sex trade goes on there. Mm-hmm. And there were there were groups working with people who were being rehabilitated, but they were selling these beautiful handmade goods mm-hmm. in these shops in that town. And I was like, who's coming here for the sites? You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's a very depressing place, I thought. Mm-hmm. And, you know, historically there's the killing fields and there's, it's all really heavy. So unless you're like a historian, I'm like, who's coming and buying these products. So my idea was, you know, bring these products back. Maybe I don't work in Cambodia, but maybe I bring those products back and talk about these things with people from Mm -hmm. a perspective of commerce, which I had never been in retail before. So I was like, but I'm a creative and I love branding. I love packaging. I love like all natural stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. upcycling and all of that. And that's what these products were. Okay. And so I stuffed a few of them in my backpack and came back to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start this business. And so within two weeks, I think I had like figured out, okay, we're going to go to First Friday. We're going to do a pop up there. My sister and I made a bunch of stuff to supplement what I had brought back from Cambodia. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. So we had all these found vessels with like succulents and oh, cool. she mm. makes wall hangings with yarn and we did some of that. How about what vintage. we got going on here on the yes, table? I kind of yeah. made this myself. This is cool. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love succulents. So, and it's funny because I tried to do that at one of the last pop-up shows that I did because I was uh-huh. like, oh my, I have no greenery. So I went out and bought tons of succulents and then I ended up 
as pop-up shows mm-hmm. you never know who you're going to be next to if it's like a corporate run thing is this going we were, macrame um, going down that road no well okay. it was right next to we were right next to a fresh floral florist oh, cool. Oh, cool. and she had some succulents and they were like two dollars and so i was like well i can't compete with that because oh. <laughs> mine aren't two dollars <laughs> so <laughs> so i didn't sell any so now i have a bunch of succulents in my house but <laughs> nice oh, well, they're nice love... to look at yeah, yeah they are they are well i like the co- uh, the concept of so you're describing conscious consumerism right Absolutely. educating uh consumers about the origin of the products and mm-hmm. the process that they've gone through, right? And mm-hmm. um, I also like your concept of empowering women through um, consumerism, right? So you're empowering the artisans in these countries um, through through the goods that they produce. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. I dig. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. And that's kind of where the rebranding is coming in. So mm-hmm. I'm realizing um, I focused really heavily on that, that it's like consumer advocacy and where your money matters and there's power in your money and I really want to take that, I guess, more approach it from a more holistic point of view of mm-hmm. it's not just where you spend your money. It's also empowering yourself through your mindset every day. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still navigating what that's going to look like, but I'm thinking it looks more like a personal brand and me really sharing my journey of becoming mm-hmm. a more conscious human being mm-hmm. and a mother because I'm a new mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I realize like, And even when I got married, you know, I can do all the eco-friendly whatever that I want, but now I'm navigating life with another person. And when you bring Mm. a tiny person into that, (laughs) and you also work pretty much full time and want to, you know, have some sanity, like, you know, you can't be eco-friendly everything and that's okay, you Mm -hmm. know, but to really talk about those things that are real, um, because I think a lot of times I know myself for sure when I look at other um, conscious lifestyle brands on Instagram or their websites or something. And I'm like, Oh, these people are so perfect. They get everything right. And I get in that negative spiral Mm. mindset of Mm -hmm. comparing, um, and realizing like, no, I think for me, it's about being just as raw and authentic as I can be and not trying to sell people the idea that to, uh, be a conscious consumer, they need to be consuming these products. It's, it's about the whole mindset. It's just Mm -hmm. being a more thoughtful purpose, filled person you know and really thinking about not just the origin of our products but um our interactions with other people daily and Mm -hmm. you know and those kind of things just being Mm -hmm. aware of your your blueprint right Mm -hmm. um i know i learn a lot actually from following you on instagram and your instagram live stories like you'll order takeout and you'll make a point about just you know uh, you'll you won't accept the utensils or the straws or just I think it's taking baby steps right yeah, and just definitely. building upon that and just being aware of um, again your blueprint in the world yeah and I think it's important too I talk about this with the girls of minimal market sometimes to also show the flip side of that because I love to say like look guys I remembered my you know cutlery so I could refuse the plastic but there are so many times where I forget it and I do end up using the pl- and I'm like oh I'm such a jerk you know but that's just part of it, you know, mm-hmm. like no person is perfect. So I think just being real and for mm-hmm. me presenting myself, we were just talking about this before we started recording, but as a smaller brand or just as a person, I think sometimes we forget that behind every brand are people. Mm-hmm. And so especially for small business brands, it's usually just one person for years. It's been me for almost four years. Uh-huh. Um, and my, and, and of course the help of people who volunteered and my family mm-hmm. and my mom who babysits for me when I am working, you know, my husband who 
It said, just quit your day job and do this full time and Mm -hmm. figure it out. You know, even if you're not making money for a while, yeah, (laughs) like this is your passion, go full force. So it's all of those people as well. But I think it's important to show that, you know, it's always a person and and the Mm -hmm. message, it becomes more, um, more authentic, I think, Mm -hmm. because you know, it's really coming from a place of, you know your passion and your heart and your vision for what you want other people to get from what you're providing. Sure. You know, that's actually really interesting because yesterday I was at West Elm. I went to a pop-up they had and um, I went to get some pastries. Emily? Was Emily there? Ginger Love Designs with like indigo and canvas. She was at one of them. Uh, could be. Okay. Truth be told, I hung out with Cheyenne. I was really concentrating on the pastries, and yeah. I was with <laughs> I Emma. I can't blame you there either, yeah. <laughs> I was with Emma of Desert da- da- Daisy uh, Jewelry, and actually we were talking about, because um, she's really uh, she's really active on Instagram Live, and she said a lot of people write to her and everything, and sometimes your, your you know, social media gives an impression. You know, it's curated. It's the image mm-hmm. that you want to project about mm-hmm. uh, your lifestyle and your brand, and sometimes people forget because the videos and everything are so high quality that you don't realize that it's actually a one-person um, gig. Mm-hmm. And so Emma sometimes has to find herself just to, um, like we were talking about selfie sticks mm-hmm. and how she ha- holds the cell phone, which I do too. Mm-hmm. And that way it's a, just a discreet way of showing people that it's just you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have this big production team behind you. Mm-hmm. And it's important to drive home that message that really a lot of these small business owners, it's just a one or two person team. For sure. Right? Well, and... From another person, I won't say who, but another local friend of mine who owns a creative small business, she told me one day, you know, that someone had messaged her and said, like, you haven't answered my email. I emailed you a week ago and, you know, Mm -hmm. this really upset. And she said, just really nicely back, I'm the only person that works for my, you know, my company. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a mom and my daughter's been sick. And, you know, and just explain this. And the woman was like, well, then you should, you know, and she's like, you can't please everybody and you can tell someone like, hey, it's just me. I apologize. Like as a person, I'm the owner mm-hmm. of the company, but I'm also everything else of the company. So I'm sorry that, you know, <laughs> I disappointed you in that way, but cut me some slack kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. and that's all really you can do, you know. Um, and so there are yeah, definitely situations like that where you really want people. And that's too finding finding your um, kind of your niche and your target market Mm -hmm. to use like you know a business term but those people are the people who are going to support you because they see you behind the brand too and they Mm want to see the behind the scenes stuff and they want to see you building this brand you know I've had people who have followed this whole journey of mine and they're like I just can't believe it and I'm like me neither (laughs) it's crazy right because when I look back at pictures of four years ago you know I'm like sitting at first Friday with you know a couple little like sugar scrubs that I made for you know and it's just mm-hmm. like but it's been a journey and I enjoy sharing that with people and I like when people say like oh I've seen the growth of this and I think it's really cool mm-hmm. or you know I like where this is going and so actually today or tomorrow I'm going to post a survey asking people what it is they value about the brand because I want them to be involved in the rebranding mm-hmm. oh, cool. I don't just want to say like well I'm you know burned out on sitting on inventory and doing pop-ups, I'm going to do this instead. No, I want to know, like, do you like learning about conscious living tips? Do you like learning about products? What is it that Mm. brings you value from this company? Because I will focus more on that because all of those things I like doing, you Mm -hmm. know, and all of those I think are manageable 
um, with me in this season of life, really trying to enjoy being a mom and also still run my business Mm -hmm. and make it something that's enjoyable on both sides. So I'm not giving, you know, 95% to one and 5% to the other. Right. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ashley, one of the things we like to ask all of our guests is, um, and I, I don't know the answer to this question, so I, how did you get your start in Las Vegas? Are you a native? Like, Yeah, so it's okay. funny because I am a native, and I tried to get away, and then I saw, I was like, Vegas is really cool, you know? Okay. So I left, I went to school here, um, so backstory, my dad, or my, I'm sorry, my mom's dad, my grandfather... Um, they came here in the 60s. My mom has nine brothers and sisters. Wow. They drove their VW van from Nebraska all the way over. <laughs> yeah. Fargo? No. no Nebraska. Um, different, different state. Oh, is that a different state? Oh, yeah. Oh. That's okay. <laughs> Where's Fargo? North Dakota. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Somewhere okay. on that side of the country. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, Alliance, Apologies, Nebraska, I think. Ashley's family. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I don't know anything about Nebraska. I've been there like twice. <laughs> but they drove this van, and it was because my dad, or my grand, I keep calling him my dad, my grandpa's cousin was here and he was in education and he was like, this city's really expanding. They need more principals. My grandpa was a principal at a school and I think it was like a K to 12 kind of school in this really small town, (laughs) you know? And so he's like, come out here and, you know, be involved in education. So they moved the whole family out. My grandpa was a principal, I think at KO. And my mom will kill me if I'm not (laughs) getting these schools right. I know he was at KO. I don't know if he was first at KO. But there were a couple middle schools that he was principal of. Um, He really was in the forefront of starting Opportunity School here because he really believed in when kids are getting kicked out of school Mm. or they're messing up and making mistakes, they shouldn't be punished and having to stay home all day Mm -hmm. because they're just going to end up going and getting into more trouble. So. Let's create a place for them to be and learn and still be in an educational environment. Now, so many years later, I don't know if Opportunity School does that still, um, but I, you know, I admire his effort in that. And he wrote handbooks about, you know, behavioral stuff and how to deal with certain behaviors and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. So fast forward, he now, Francis Courtney Middle School, which is on like the east side of town. Um, that is my grandpa. So he has a school oh, named after him here. Cool. Yeah. Oh. And so my family is all about, you know, supporting and they're always wearing their Courtney Cobra shirts. And oh, very cool. <laughs> they love it. And most of my aunts and my mom and my sisters, they're all educators. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about how I have tried teaching. Mm-hmm. I really love teaching outside of the school district setting. Just for me, that's what works. I like working with adults. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of art therapy in the special needs field. Um, and so doing kind of like more day program kind of stuff mm-hmm. and workshops. Like now I'm just obsessed with teaching workshops and getting with local artists and having them teach workshops um, and kind of helping curate that. Um, which is what the down, the workshop downtown is turning into. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I grew up in Vegas. I went to college at UNLV, okay. um, and I went for photography. And I did black and white film photography, which I absolutely loved. Um, but my part-time job throughout college was working with children with autism. And then so as soon the same week that I graduated, I moved up to Santa Cruz, California, because I was like, okay, I've always wanted to live by the ocean. Now I've got my degree. I'm good to go. And went up there and worked as um, the art director at a camp, an overnight summer camp for adults and kids with special needs, which was 
a whole different, you know, I didn't know if I could handle it emotionally. (laughs) And luckily the the friends that I made up there, I mean, we were like living in a little commune in the mountains (laughs) and caring for all these people. Yeah, Yeah. it was very hippie, but it was like totally, you know, my jam. I went to visit them last week, actually. Oh, cool. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's fun because that's such a big part of my journey and my growth. Um, And then I became an in-home respite caregiver I worked with a woman with dementia for a little while, but my whole theme in life has always been like merging kind of like healing, art, Mm -hmm. and social work or some like higher social purpose behind Mm -hmm. creativity. Um, And so when I went to travel in Southeast Asia, because I became really interested in the sex trafficking and rehabilitation for that, I was saying, you know, I had this vision (laughs) that I was like, I got to move back to Vegas and start this thing. So, um, yeah, I just came back and lived with my parents for like a year and slept on the couch and shared a bed with my, you know, 20 year old sister. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, cool, let's start this. And it was great, actually, because the first year of that sister house collective, the name came from my sister and I, Mm -hmm. because I was like, Cool. Carly, you got to start this business with me. Will you help me? And so we like went in on it together, but she was in college and she had a lot going on and I felt like I was just putting more on her plate and I, and I came to the realization at the end of that year, like this is really my passion mm-hmm. and I like, could do it for as many hours a week as I can stay awake. And then for her, like she is really into it. She wants to support me, but her passion is teaching and being in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, you go do you, girl. Yeah. That's I'm going to awesome. do this. So, yeah. And so I figured I'd stay in Vegas for a few years and then almost, yeah, a little over four years. Yeah. Almost four years later. Around four years. I don't know. It's still morning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My brain's a little. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Very now cool. you have a family. You have a baby. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to um, young uh, social entrepreneurs and particularly, you know, Uh, families that want to start their own business I always say get connected with other people in town to me and I'm such a person-to-person person person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I try to do online commerce sometimes but then I get so and like doing content and stuff like that I get so drained from it because I Mm. like if I'm going to talk to people or learn something, I want to be sitting down with somebody to ask them questions face to face. Mm -hmm. So I always encourage people creative mornings was really where I got super plugged in and met a lot of other creatives Uh and people I could ask, you know, freelance kind of questions or just to know what, what was going on in the community. Mm -hmm. And, um, backstory on that was I had taken a job where I was traveling when I first moved back and Mm -hmm. I would travel like three months or I'm sorry three weeks out of the month doing chemical auditing in hospitals like in Seattle and Portland area Hmm. and yeah so then I'd come back for one week a month and try to do a pop-up and I just couldn't get a following online and I couldn't get um Mm -hmm. people really recognizing what I was trying to do in Vegas Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until then I like came back was here full-time and started showing up for stuff that I felt like I really was part of a community of like artists and entrepreneurs and small business owners and people who really understood the entrepreneurial mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess that would be my big takeaway from that question is like surround yourselves with people with that similar mindset. Because when I tell, especially business challenges to friends who 
don't own their own businesses, they're like, well, why don't you just quit? You know, you can just quit. Just oh, close gosh. the business and walk away. It's like mm. making you miserable. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't know me at all. Like, so when I go to my entrepreneurial friends and, you know, colleagues and I say like, hey, I'm having this challenge. They're like, okay, let's navigate this together. What can we do? Okay, you can try this, 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 and that, you know, and they're really there as a support system. So I think it's really, really important to have a strong support system. Mm-hmm. And also know too that things don't happen overnight for me for sure and I guess it's my ego but I was like this is a great business idea when I booked my ticket home from Cambodia I was like I'm gonna go back and this thing is gonna blow up like people are gonna love it there's nothing like this in Vegas and here I am four years later (laughs) and I'm Mm -hmm. still trying to grow it and still trying to get the vision and and mission across to people Mm -hmm. um because it just doesn't happen you know overnight and I think for me having that expectation really hurt me in the long run because I've had all these feelings of maybe I shouldn't do this. Like this is for nothing, you know, but it just takes time, you know, and knowing that it takes time and you have to have a good support network and also your family. If you're married, really having open communication and dialogue with your partner about like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And here's, you know, I can do my full-time job. So I'm still bringing in income and then have this on the side and like, you know, Mm -hmm. but allocating specific time to really work on that project. Um, and knowing, you know, financially, like that's a very serious um, part of starting your own business. So mm-hmm. be open with your partner about what that looks like and what that might entail. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. been really interesting to hear about your journey. It sounds like a yeah. very organic process that's still in the making, but um, I appreciate that, you know, you reach out to the community, you seem super accessible, you're a mom. And so your journey has been super, super inspiring. So thank you for coming on. How can people reach you on Um, social media? Yeah, so everything is Sister House Collective. So Mm -hmm. um, on Instagram, the profile is just Sister House Collective. On Facebook, Sister House Collective. I don't have Twitter yet. (laughs) Maybe one day I will. One day. And Um, you you also have a podcast. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so the workshop downtown is this new endeavor that I mentioned with Kelly Bennett. So we have the workshop downtown.com. We offer classes. We're going to be offering a summer retreat. And then we're going to be working with a lot of local artists to offer some workshops this summer as well. Um, And then, yeah, email Mm -hmm. sisterhousecollective at gmail.com. I'm always open to sharing, you know, what I know and and trying to encourage and help other entrepreneurs. That's awesome. Perfect. And to make it a little bit full circle. So we recorded another episode this morning um, and uh, Erica Mosca, who is our guest, bought a painting from Sister House Collective that is like the inspire one of the inspirations for her. So it's, she said it's the background on her personal Facebook, oh, and she what? has it on the door on like the door of her office as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. So so it's kind of brings oh, it brings it full circle. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. super cool. That's I love awesome. that. <laughs> well, and we yeah. didn't. Uh, we actually asked our other guests. So, um, what are your some of your favorite downtown or Vegas places to check out? Yeah. Oh, so eat gosh. eat and drink uh-huh. and I'm drink coffee, tea, whatever. This. Yeah. Okay, mothership for coffee. I just oh, dis- yeah. discovered a Gabby Cafe. Have you guys heard of this no. place? No. Oh my gosh. Where you is guys this? gotta go after this. Is it vegan or something? No. no? But it okay. is Oh that's fine. It's that's really fine. cool. It is a Korean wartime inspired it's almost like a speakeasy coffee house. What? I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah. And it is Yelp beautiful. Is blowing it, up yes. It, yeah. And Instagram is blowing up. I saw pictures and I'm like, are my friends out of town? Where's this cute cafe? And I'm like, uh-huh. oh my gosh, it's in Vegas. It's by Chinatown. It's on like Jones and Spring Mountain. Ooh. Uh-huh. Um Gabby, oh, so head. yeah. 
And I don't, I haven't been to a lot of bars lately since I, you know, was pregnant and had a baby. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. How old is Evela? She's nine months today. Today's oh, okay. her nine month birthday. I, I think around 10 birthday. months is when you can bring babies to bars. Oh yeah, I think for it's sure. In Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Carson Kitchen, I loved them for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the La Comida, I love them. Mm-hmm. Downtown Publicus, of course, and they're super supportive. I did a pop up there yesterday, and I was sampling oh, all cool. the Cinco de Mayo cupcakes, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I love going to Boulder City too. Oh, so yeah. I, I like like just getting you know just a little bit away. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And Southwest Diner, I always oh, go there gosh. with my husband. This is so good. <laughs> and you drink out of a like a pot, like a potted plant pot. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, quirky. Places yeah, and good. An- yeah, I mean that's not food and drink, but just wandering, meandering mm-hmm. around in the antique shops and talking to people. I love that. It's so. like another world. Boulder City is. is like a completely different world. It is yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last question we have, which we do generally ask people, uh, and what is your, was your first CD that you purchased? Oh my gosh, this is going to be so embarrassing. No, <laughs> oh no, it can't um, be any more embarrassing than the rest. Than I think the it was Alien Ant Farm. Oh, nice. <laughs> or POD. Do you remember? That? Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> those were t- yeah, those were for sure. It was one Excellent. of those. What genre is POD? I don't even Christian know. Christian hard rock. Is it? Which I just discovered yeah. like two Christian weeks ago that they're Christian. Mm-hmm. I never knew. But oh. they had this song called Youth of the Nation. They did. It's a, it was a good and song. It, yeah. And the video made me cry. I'm not a very, well, I wasn't at the time. Sixth grade me was not an emotional person. So when I remember watching the video, I was like, oh my God. Oh, it's so emotional. <laughs> oh. And then I was telling my husband, and we were, he was making fun of me last week. And he's like, yeah, they're Christian. And I was like, really? I didn't even know that. But I guess it makes sense because a lot of their messages were like very mm-hmm. positive and like the youth of the nation. Maybe that's why I'm an entrepreneur, guys. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so POD stands for payable on death. That's what it stands for. See, I'm a music know. nerd. So okay. that's. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm a food nerd. So right. Ergo the this question. This is a good yeah. group. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for, for reference, I mean, I my first CD was Ace of Bass. So it's okay. nothing to be embarrassed about. There's no, no, no embarrassment. They're still amazing. Yeah. And we've got Jagged Little Pill with that Lennis set behind yes. you. It was the first. And then I don't remember what yours Big was. Big Willie style. Will Big Smith. Willie style. Oh, right. okay. I'm getting jiggy mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's, no shame. there's no shame. We're all yeah. millennials here. There's no shame. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast, Ashley. Thank you for having me. This was really awesome. Great. Thank you. You were delightful to have yeah. on. Thank you. So, so this has been Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. Uh, this is Jacob. And this is Allison. Who do we have with us today, Allison, as always? We have our producer, Jose Sotelo. Also the composer of our theme music. Yes. Because I'm going to start saying that now. All right, please yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, research assistance and fact-checking by Ashley Pacheco. And creative direction by Berta Gutierrez. And although physically not with us, Raven, the dog of the Den of Descent, is somewhere out there. She's probably eating Blue Moon Bakery's uh, conchas. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully not, though. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, y'all.